0: Well, today we're going to speak to you about something every one of us is going through or have been through or will go through. And um, that is not the verse. It's 3419 is what it is. You can't read my writing. I apologize. Um, I just want to pray real quick. Lord, now, this message, I want you to make it come alive. And I want you to make it fall on good ground. And that it will encourage the discouraged. Strengthen the weak. Build faith in those who are struggling with unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we live in a troubled world full of trouble to people. You don't have to look far to find people who are struggling with troubles and trials under a heavy, heavy weight. Now, you need to understand that when a person becomes a child of God, they are not exempt from trials and troubles. In fact, look, look at what Psalm thirty four, nineteen says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few, but many. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. And then it says, Job said, you know what Job said? Job 14, 1. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, why don't you just think about that? A few days and full of trouble. So, today I want us just to look at what the Word of God says about trials and what the Word of God says about troubles. Because it's not if you are going to have them, you do have them. It's not if you're not going through trials or, or coming out of trials or going through that you really don't understand all that's going on. So, we need to know what God's Word says about when we are going through trials. James chapter 1, open your Bible if you'd like to. It'll be on the screen as well. But he talks about trials. He he calls it, he said, and and you know, really, you you can't believe the way he starts this thing. In James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And, And the translation there in the Greek is, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various fiery trials. The Greek word is samos, fiery trials. He says, count it joy when you go through fiery trials. He said, why? Look at verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith. Oh, trials have a purpose. They have a purpose, y'all. They test our faith. You really don't know how strong your faith is until it's tested. I heard somebody say, we all want to have a testimony, but we don't want to have a test. (laughs) How can you have a testimony if you don't have a test? And it says that the testing of your faith, knowing the testing of your faith, produces patience. And that means endurance, enduring commitment. The testing of your faith produces enduring commitment. That's the Greek word there. And it goes on and says, But let this enduring commitment, this patience, have its perfect work. And I'll tell you what that word perfect means as we get into the message. But let that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and in complete Lacking nothing. He said, God will use those trials to make you perfect and complete and lack nothing. And then he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, all right, I used to think that was just he was changing subjects. No, he wasn't. He said, Now, when you go through the fiery trial, you're not going to understand sometimes why. And what's going on? He said, i tell you what you do. You ask God to give you wisdom. That's what he's talking about. He said, so when you're going through the fiery trial, if you lack lack wisdom, ask God. Just ask God, what's going on here, Lord? Why am I going through this? If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously. He gives to all men generously and without reproach. It will be given him, but then look what he says. But now you ask him in faith. God, I don't understand what this all is going on in my life, and I don't understand all this stuff, but Lord, I, I'm, I'm asking for wisdom. He said, now, I know you're going to show me. I know you're going to teach me. I know you're going to reveal it to me. He said, but let him ask in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, a double-minded man, is unstable in all of his ways. Now, there are three things that you find in those verses in James. James says, first of all, there's going to be plenty of fiery trials. He says, there's going to be plenty of them. Then he says, well, let me tell you the purpose of them. Why does God permit us to go through fiery trials? Why? What's the purpose of them? If you know the purpose, then you will be able to have an enduring commitment during that trial. And then how do you prepare or can you prepare for fiery trials? So there's plenty of fiery trials. There's a purpose in fiery trials. And there's preparation of fiery trials. I want you to look, first of all, it says uh, in verse 2, look what he says. Talking about there are going to be plenty of fiery trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into fiery trials. He doesn't say if. He said, now if you should happen to go through a fiery trial, just count it all joy because God's strengthening your faith. No, he didn't say if. He said when. And you know and I know. Every one of us know. It's not if we go through fiery trials. It's when we go through fiery trials. And the Bible says that that's a part of our life as a child of God. Some people get the idea when well, you come to Jesus and all your problems are solved and everything's going to be just going downhill the rest of your way, of your life. Hello, that, that's not it. That's not it. Now, let me say this. Are you listening? The Bible says that our life, the fruit of the Spirit, is love. Yeah. And It's joy. Well, that's the fruit of the Spirit, and peace, and gentleness, and goodness, and kindness. But you know what that is? That's joy and peace in the midst of the trial. The fruit of the Spirit, joy and peace, doesn't mean the absence of trials, but it means that as a child of God, walking in the Spirit, you have joy and peace in the trial that you're going through. And so he says, there are going to be plenty of trials. they are certain And, you know, I've just found that so many people are going through physical trials. I mean, just trials with your physical body. And and that sometimes can be, uh, it just can wear you out. And and you just sometimes say, well, Lord, I mean, I don't know how much more of this physical battle I can take. And so you do go through fiery trials when you're you're, you're physically being afflicted. And you go through fiery trials when there's mental affliction, whether it's depression or whatever it might be, or just anxiety, panic attacks. I don't know what all they are, but I mean, sometimes you just go through trials mentally and emotionally. And sometimes you just uh, your emotions seem to be running every way they shouldn't go. I'm just saying fiery trials can come physically. They can come mentally. They come emotionally. And you, we're always having fiery trials in our families, always. It's not necessarily between the husband and wife all the time. But you know, t- so many times once you have children and grandchildren, uh, you know, you have fiery trials in, 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 in your family. You know, I, before we had any children, Annie and I, I knew everything about raising kids. I knew everything about it. <laughs> I was going to write a book, Ten Ways to Raise Holy Children. <laughs> then we had to, and I don't even know how to write a book. Somebody tell me will you it 's too late one of them 's fifty three and one 's fifty five my wife 's old, but anyway <laughs> i can 't believe my children are fifty three and fifty five Woo, but you have fiery trials in your family, boy, I remember when they were growing up, and you do too i 'm telling you, friend, you sometimes wonder lord I'm glad. I know you gave them to me, Lord, and I love them, but boy, this is sure tough, and then you have you have fiery trials and in uh at work, in your finances, trials take on many, many things, but you've got to understand when God permits a fiery trial in your life, it's got a purpose to test your faith, to see how you respond when things are difficult and when you don't have the answers, and when you don't know all about it, and you see he says that the testing of your faith. You know, one of the great examples of how to deal with fiery trials were the three Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember over there in Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar made an idol of gold and commanded everybody to bow down to that idol? And all the people bowed down to the idol, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't know. They didn't bow down. And so it enraged the king. And in Daniel 3.17, and they're going to put this up on the screen, you know what the, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? Well, we'll tell you how we feel about it. God will bring us through it, or he'll go, in the, uh, he'll go with us in it. It says here in, in, in verse 17, If that is the case, they were talking to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And then they went on in the next verse and said, but if not, if God doesn't, let you know this, O king, that we do not serve your God's, Now will we worship the golden image which you have set up. If God delivers us or goes through us with us, that's not the issue. You just want to know we're going to come through it and we're going to be worshiping the living God. We're not going to be worshiping an idol. And so you go into trials with that kind of commitment. You You know, we know we're going to have fiery trials. But what's the character of them? What are they like? Well, in uh, 1 Peter 4.12, Peter told those uh, Christians that he was writing to in Peter, look, look what on the screen what it he says. He, he said, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. He was writing to those believers. He said, now don't think it's just happening to you. Don't think you're the only one. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. You know what Paul said in Acts chapter twenty, verse seventeen. He talked about all that he, uh, the things that he went through, as, as a believer, and he was writing to those people. And, and in Acts chapter twenty, uh, verse seven, uh, let's see, verse seventeen, I believe it is. He said, uh, don't, don't uh, I, I've gone through fiery trials. He said, I've gone through this and that. And in that verse, he said, I have gone through fiery trials. Okay, now, so um, what about it? Well, let me just say this. The fiery trial has one purpose, to test our faith. Now, it goes on and takes a further dimension in a moment but you understand it's when you're going through the fire that your faith is being tested and so you know that and so you face this now with the understanding that hey God has allowed this to strengthen my faith to show me if my faith is weak or strong or to minister to me but you know uh, All of us have trials. And you know, let me tell you about them. Uh, They are inclusive. It includes everybody. He said, my brethren, my brethren, do not think it's strange. So he knew everybody was going to do it. And and you know, I wonder, uh, when James wrote this, if he was thinking about Job. You know, Job is the only person I know of in the Old Testament that God bragged on. It's something when God brags on somebody. The Bible says the sons of God came before God and the devil showed up. And God asked the devil, said, what do you think of my servant Job? There's not a righteous man on earth that fears God and does all things well. Boy, boy, that was something for God to say about Job. And you know what the devil said? Yeah, if I had a big, big farm, And I had thousands of sheep. And if I had thousands of cattle, and if I had a wonderful family, I'd fear God too. Hey, No wonder he worships you and fears you. Look at all he's got. God said, okay, you can take every bit of it away, but you can't touch him. And so in one day, Job uh, Job lost all of his camels. The the Sabaeans came. In one day, he lost all of his sheep. In one day, a storm came up where his children were together and they were all killed. Job ended up at the end of the day, he had lost everything that he had. Well, how did Job respond? Man, there's a great verse. Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 22. I want you to listen to how he responded. It says here, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped God. Whoo! But he passed the test, didn't he? Lost everything he had, and then look at the next verse, man. Job, Job, Job understood life. Look at what he said: "Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return." The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Woo! That hit the devil square in the face. You see, Job, God allowed Job's faith to be tested. Now he went through some trials if you read the book of Job. But I know what he said in about the middle of the book that showed me why he had such strong faith. You know what he said? Now this was the first, this is the oldest book in the Bible. But the Spirit of God hovered over Job and you know what he said? I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the last day he will stand on the earth. He said, I know Jesus is alive and I know Jesus is coming and I know one day he'll stand on this earth. You see, trials are common to us all. What about Abraham? He prayed for a son of promise. And uh, when he was right at 100, and Sarah was about that age, then Isaac was born, the son of promise. And, and and it was through Isaac that the world was going to be blessed. And it was through Isaac that Abraham's seed would be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And then God said to Abraham, "Go go on Mount Moriah and offer him As a sacrifice. Abraham knew God's nature and character. He knew that if he did that, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He knew that. But he just stepped out on naked faith, took Isaac, went to Mount Moriah. We know the story of how he raised the knife. And God said, stay your hand, Abraham. Stay your hand. And this is what he said. You have passed the test. I know you fear me. Now I know that you have no other gods before me. See, that's what Job did. Job was, man, you're talking about tested, but he passed the test. And he honored and glorified God. And you talk about passing the test. What about Abraham? God says, now I know you fear me. And I know that you love me more than you love Isaac. And so, you know, there's a commonness of trials that God's people go through to test our faith. Let me tell you one of the greatest. This is the only person I know in the Bible that not one negative word was spoken against. You know who that was? Joseph. Joseph. You remember he had that vision? The coat of many, and his father gave him a coat of many colors. And he went and told his brothers, I had a dream and and I was standing in the middle and y'all were in a circle, <laughs> and you all were bowing down to me? I'm not sure he should have told them, but he told them. Because you know what they did? They got enraged, and they had a pit. And they threw him in the pit and said, the first group that comes by here, we're going to sell him as a slave. He went from the apple of his father's eye to being in a pit to be sold as a slave. The traders came by, and they bought him. And Joseph took the journey to Egypt and he was in Potiphar's house, and he rose to great prominence. And so here God had taken this trial, and Joseph never, ever turned his back on God. Let me tell you one of the greatest verses. You talk about something that challenged me. Here Joseph had been sold by his brothers and into slavery, and here he was in Egypt and away from his father, and and there he was in Potiphar's house and had all the, uh, the rule over his household. And then Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And she did and he ran from her and she grabbed his coat. But you know, what, you know what Joseph said? I want to tell you what you do when you're in a trial. He said, how could I commit such great sin against my God? But Joseph, you're far away from home. Nobody will know. Look, they sold you into slavery. Look at you. Won't you just give in to temptation, Joseph? He said, listen to me. How could I commit such a great sin against my God? What if he said, well, look what God did for me. He let me get sold as a slave. He let- No, no. He passed the test. He passed the test. And so there's not only the certainty of trials. And we know the character is that test our faith. But it's common to all of us and all of God's children go through a testing of faith. But here's the second thing. What's the purpose of it? Well, he tells us. The testing of our faith. But then, the verse there, the word there, uh, that we may have patience. I want you to notice in verse 3. He says, The testing of your faith... uh, produces patience. And that word there doesn't mean, like, well, I've got to be patient at the red light or, or that kind of stuff, you know. That means that I've got to endure. I've got to have an enduring commitment unto hardship. That's exactly what that means. He said, you know, the testing of my faith is going to give me an enduring commitment to my God when I come into times of hardship. Well, I'll tell you what, when you go through a trial and God brings you through, your faith is stronger. Your commitment, your endurance is stronger. You know, I I share this every time I get a chance. When I'm talking to a man, whether he's young or old, who said, God is calling me into the ministry. I believe that God is calling me to be a preacher or a pastor or a missionary or a music minister. I said, well, let me say this to you. You've got to be sure God's calling you. Because the day's going to come when the easiest thing for you to do will be to quit. And I said, I want to tell you one thing. The only thing that will keep you from quitting is knowing that God has called you and that you don't have any other choice. I was talking to a young pastor on the phone about two months ago. He had his back to the wall. Man, he was going through a fiery trial. I mean, a fiery trial. And man, he'd he'd think he was coming out and it'd get worse. And and he he said, well, I I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run out of money, so and so. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. And this guy's a good, wonderful preacher, but didn't have a church. He said, I guess I'll just go to work at the bank. I said, okay. If God called you to be a banker, go to the work at the bank. But if God called you to, to preach the gospel, you ain't got a choice. You don't have a choice. You don't have the choice of being a banker. Are you going to turn your back on God's call? Well, he started crying. He said, you hurt his feelings. No, I didn't hurt his feelings. I told him the truth. And guess what? He didn't go to work at the bank. And guess what? God brought him through. And guess what? He's got a church now. Hallelujah. You see, Endure hardness, endurance under difficulty. That's what it means to be patience, an an, an enduring commitment. And so that's what trials do. They produce an enduring commitment in you. And then let's look at that next statement. It says, the testing of your faith produces patience. But now here's where it gets really interesting. But let this enduring commitment, patience, have its perfect work. That you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Now, that word perfect there is the word teleos in the Greek, which does not mean sinless perfection. That does not mean it at all. You know what teleos in the Greek, let patience have its perfect work and, and, and therefore be perfect? It means this. That word there means you fulfill the purpose for which God put you on this earth. You fulfill the purpose. That's what it means, Telios. For example, here's a boy that's 12 years old. Telios is for him to grow up and to be a man. To fulfill the purpose of going from youth to manhood. And so here he's saying, listen, what this test is going to do it's going to help you to grow up and to be the person not only God created you to be, but it's going to help you to grow up to be the person Jesus saved you to be. He said, "This, this testing of your faith is going to help you to become what God has for you in your life. It's going to fulfill God's purpose and what God has for you in Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you this. Here's the absolute thing I love. God's purpose in creation. Stay with me now. This is important. In Genesis 1:28. and by the way, a guy came up to me when he came in church this morning and said, I got a neighbor that said uh, he has no purpose in living. That's exactly what he told me. He said, I don't know why I'm here for him. I said, go back and start at Genesis 1:28." you've got to start somewhere where it says, And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and then have, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. You tell him that God's original purpose for Adam was to extend the life of God and in his image and to express the character of God after his likeness and to exhibit the power of God and let him have dominion. And listen, before Adam sinned, when you saw Adam... You saw Jesus, and you saw him extending the life of God. You saw him expressing the character of God and exhibiting the power of God. And so that was our purpose in creation. But we sinned. But God sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. The second Adam, the perfect, Jesus is the last Adam. And so he came, and as a sinless sinless lamb of God, went to the cross and there took your sin and my sin in his body on that cross and died for our sins, paid the ultimate price so that we could be forgiven. And God raised him from the dead and he's alive today. And you know why he's alive? To live his life in us. And so you know what the purpose is? You know what? Let it have its perfect worth. Your purpose is for you as a believer not only to have allowed Jesus Christ to live in you, but for Jesus Christ to live through you. Oh, I know the purpose of trials in believer's life. He wants to bring us to the end of ourselves, that we will not depend upon ourselves, that we will not be self-sufficient, are independent. That we will understand that our purpose is for Christ Jesus to live in us in all of his power and then to live through us for his glory. And so when I go through a trial, I know what the object of it is, that there'll be more of Jesus and less of me. Oh, that's what God's doing when you go through a trial, that you won't be independent. I can do it. You won't be self-sufficient. I can do it. You say, I can't, Lord, but I'm God-dependent, and I'm God-sufficient, and Lord, I want there to be less of me and more of Jesus. That's why I let you go through that trial, that you'll get to the place where it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory where you can say, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Hey, listen. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste the trials. If you're a child of God, my brethren, count it joy. And remember that there's a purpose. That Let it have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. In other words, God is accomplishing in you and Christ is on the throne of your heart and he is living his life through you. You know, so God just keeps working. Just keeps working. You know, um, let me tell you one thing about the purpose of trials. Um, He just wants to bring you to the place where Christ lives through you. And he's conformed you to the image of his son. But you know, uh, when we go through a trial, we ask God how we're to respond. And we look to the Lord on on, on what to do. And I read a very, very interesting story. This was many years ago. And when I read it, they said that it was a true story. It sounds almost like, well, it couldn't be. But there was a young boy that was born with a club foot. And uh, he couldn't stand up straight. He couldn't stand up straight. And so his father took him to every doctor he could take him to, every specialist. And they said, sir, there's no, the bones and the muscles, he's always going to be, he's not ever going to be able to stand up straight. Now, I don't know what they could do about that today, but in that day, they just gave him absolutely no hope. Well, the boy was three, four, and five, and his daddy just kept reading and studying. And finally, his son came in one day from the first grade and said, son, tell you what we're going to do. He said, I've made a box, and I'm going to put your foot in that box. And it's got screws where that box can be tightened and said, we, we, we're going to put that, your foot in that box and we're going to tighten the screws and then we'll tighten them a little bit more every day or so. Well, he put the box on the boy's foot, began to tighten the screws and the little boy said, first grader said, Daddy, he said, it, it hurts, it's painful, it's painful. He said, you know, don't don't tighten them anymore. Father said, okay. But he did that for a year. And every day he'd tighten the screws a little more. And a little bit more. Every time it was a little painful because he's putting pressure on that little boy's foot. But after a year, he said, son, today we're going to take the box off. And they took it off. He said, stand on your feet. And the club foot was straightened out, and the little boy could walk. You say, Brother Fred, what's the purpose of that story? Let me tell you what it is. When you're going through a trial, you get to the place where you say, I I don't think I can take any more. Lord, you're tightening the screws too tight. But let me tell you something about God. He will never tighten the screws too tight. He'll never put on you more than His grace will enable you to bear. Sometimes God has to tighten the screws. But the outcome is good because it brings us more and more to the place that Christ can live His life through us. And you can trust God. You can trust Him. He'll never put on you more than you can bear. Never. But you've got to understand. His whole purpose is that you'll get strong in the faith. And you'll get stronger and stronger. And when other trials come, you'll meet them with such strength in the Lord that you'll be able to face Him and say, God brought me through and now I'm stronger and I have an enduring commitment to God. I will not turn back. And, I'm, and He's conforming me to His purpose. He's conforming me to be like His Son. You know, uh, you say, well, Brother Fred, okay. I know the purpose of trials. To bring us to the place where Jesus is Lord of our lives, that He's in control, and that He's living through us, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. I know the purpose. But how do you prepare for it? How do you prepare for a trial? You say, well, that's a good question. Because let me tell you about trials. They're unexpected, they're unannounced. And they're sudden. Uh, You know, Job woke up one morning. Everything was fine. And by dark, everything was gone. Abraham heard a word from God one day. Slept all night. And everything changed. And he headed for Mount Moriah. Unannounced. Unexpected. And suddenly. When Joseph went over to see his brothers. He didn't know he was going to end up in a pit that day. And his life would take a new direction for many, many, many years. So how do you prepare for trials? Well, you have to have the right reaction. You need to prepare your heart to have a right reaction. Now, let me tell you what can happen. A believer, when they go through a trial, can respond to it carnally. They just can get in the flesh. And respond to it carnally. In other words, now wait a minute. I've already been through three or four. Why is this happening to me again? I mean, okay, Lord. I mean, I believe you're picking on me. I I really believe you're picking on me, Lord. I I believe you've singled me out. I, Lord, I I tell you. I I mean, I I just feel this way about it. Enough's enough. Why me, Lord? Why me? You know, God. you, You know, you should never let this happen to me. You should never allow me to go through this. And you can respond uh, to God. And, and you say, well, I don't understand this, Lord. I've prayed and I've done what I ought to do. I've read my Bible. I've gone to church and I've prayed. And here I am again in the midst of another storm. God, I want to ask you a question. Where are you in this thing anyway? Would you just tell me something about this? And, and you can react. <laughs> you, you can react in a wrong way. You can react carnally. But you know what James said to do? Count it all joy. Woo. When you go through fiery trials. Count it joy. In other words, hey. Lord, I'm your child. As far as I know, I'm in your will. Can't one thing touch me. Unless you allow it. Now. Now. If I'm disobedient and rebellious, I can bring things on myself. But God, I'm in your will. And as far as I know, I'm right with you. And you are my shield and my protector. And can't one thing happen to me unless you permit it. Unless you permit it. So God, you've allowed this. And so now, Lord, I just want to rejoice in you. I want to praise you. I want to thank you. And I know, Lord that I'm going through a trial. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going through it. And I do know this, Lord, while I don't understand it all, I know that Romans 8:28 applies to me. I love you. And you said all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And his purpose was to make us like Jesus. And so you can blame God, you can get angry at God, you can say, God, why did you let this happen to me? You can get bitter and, that's, and you are in serious trouble in that trial. Or you can respond and say, well, Lord, you know, I just rejoice that you are st- testing my faith and that you're going to strengthen me in this and I'm going to be stronger when I come through. And so, God, I just want to praise you that I, you're going to give me the strength to go through this. And you just start looking to the Lord and you pray for wisdom and you ask God to give you the strength to respond in the way that you do and knowing that God's going to work it together for good and that you're going to have an enduring commitment to the Lord when you get out of this and you're going to be more like Jesus when you get through this and Christ is going to be able to come through your life in a special way. It's just first season. You need to thank God for your trials. hey, I read this, and as far as I know, it's a true story, but it doesn't matter. It makes a good illustration. (laughs) This guy was in a large charity ward, hospital. And it was so big that um, they didn't have anything to do when a person got ready to die. So what they'd do, if a person was going to die, they'd bring screens and put them around them until they passed away. Now, when they came and put a screen around your bed, you knew, well, I'm going to die. Well, this guy was just laying up there and feeling good and thought everything was fine. (laughs) And they come and put the screen around him. (laughs) He said, my Lord. He said, I didn't know I was going to die. I feel pretty good. But they got the screen around me, so I must be dying. And man, he got the fear of God on him. And he started crying out to God, God, I'm not ready to die. I am not ready to die. I'm not ready to meet you. And, I, and, and he'd grown up where he'd been witness to. And he said, God, I, just, I need to repent of my sins, and I need to be saved. And, and so he just cried out to God and cried out to God. And finally, the Lord saved him and, and forgave him. And, and he was just thankful. He said, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> the nurse came up and said, sir, I'm sorry. We made a mistake. We put the screen around the wrong man. You know what he said? You didn't make a mistake. Because you know what happened to me? God used this to convict me of my sin and to show me that I was lost and show me that I needed Jesus. He said, I thank God that you put the screen around me. How do you prepare for trials? Don't respond in the flesh. Every time I think about this, I'm thinking of a young man that I watched grow up who was in Christian work, who got disappointed. By the way, sometimes Christians will disappoint you. Sometimes family members will disappoint you. Sometimes people that are lost. Life is not without disappointments. Life is not without rejection. Life is not without being feel betrayed. But he took this where they he really felt like he was betrayed. And I think the way they handled it was wrong. But he became bitter and angry, became an agnostic, would have nothing to do with God or the church and lost his marriage. Now, what if he had responded in another way to that trial and said, well, God, that was wrong, but I I still love you and my commitment to you does not waver. The only person I have to please is Jesus. And regardless of how people treat me, that does not matter. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So, I, I mean, see, a lot of people have gone through that same trial. But he responded wrong and it wiped his life out. And we need to pray that God somehow would bring him back. You know, we all going to have plenty of trials. But the purpose is that our enduring commitment to Jesus will get stronger. And that God will cut off of us everything that's not like Jesus. And that Jesus will become our life. And that he'll live in us and through us. And we'll see everything through the eyes of Christ. We'll respond to life by Christ living through us. That, that's the purpose of trials. And God brings us through and we're stronger and we're stronger and we're stronger. I, I want to close with this. And this is a true story. And it's one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. It was about, it had to have been at least uh, 25 years ago. Bob Rowell, who used to be on the staff at Luke Cottage Hill, invited me to come to Florida to speak to a men's conference. And so I was one of the speakers, and I spoke. But then on Saturday morning, a, a pastor by the name of Calvin Smith, who at that time was pastor of, First Baptist, uh, pastor of Cinco Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I didn't know Calvin Smith. But he stood up and he spoke on the 23rd Psalm. And then he came to the end. He said, now, you know, I usually can't tell this story without crying. He said, but I'm going to try. He said, you know that I played football for uh, a, 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 one of the big universities in, in Florida or Alabama. I've forgotten where it was. And he said, I had a son. And, man, he, he, I just saw in him all the potential of a great athlete. In the 8th grade, he was five foot ten, weighed 180 pounds. And I just said, man, this guy is going to be a great athlete. He went to practice one day, and he made a tackle head on, and he broke his neck. And he was paralyzed from his neck down. Couldn't even move a finger. Now, Calvin was telling this story. And he said, you know, I cannot tell you what I went through. He said, but I made up my mind that I was going to do everything that this boy would walk again. I was going to do everything. He said, I went to every doctor. I went to a special clinic in Denver that worked on spinal injuries. And everywhere I went, everywhere I went, they said to me, there's not one thing we can do. Finally, he said, I read and read. And finally, I came to the end of my rope. I didn't know where else to turn But I heard of a special spinal clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. And so my wife and my daughter and I, we we took our son there to that clinic. And left him for two weeks. And we said to those doctors, said, look, this is our last stop. Will you tell me if there's anything that can be done that my son would walk again? So they went back home. And after two weeks, they came back to Jacksonville. And he said to his wife and daughter, y'all stay here at the motel. I'll go and talk to the doctor. And I'll find out what the, the diagnosis is, and I'll come back and tell you. The captain was telling this, and I was sitting there just spellbound. He said, I went to the doctor, and he said, Mr. Smith, Reverend Smith, he said, I've studied all the films. I've done everything. I'm telling you, your son is going to lose his sight, and he'll never, ever be able to walk again. So he said he just walked out and got in his car and just sat there and sobbed for an hour. Then he went back to the motel and knocked on the door and his wife came and he just fell in her arms and they both just wept for an hour. But that's not the end of the story. He said, "Will you just stay here and I'm going to go across the street and get some hamburgers for us. So Calvin walked across the street to get some hamburgers and as he's walking across the street he noticed a crumpled piece of paper laying in the street and something said, pick that up. He said, I'm not going to pick that up in a busy street. And he went over and got the hamburgers. He came back the same way that he went and he came again on that crumpled piece of paper. And something said, pick up that piece of paper. And then he said, would you mind if I tell you what was on that piece of paper? He says, I have it in my billfold. And it's in plastic. I picked up that piece of paper in the middle of a busy street in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was a piece, a page of the Bible. And right in the middle of that page in red was this. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Because when you're weak, that's when you're strong. Whew. That's the kind of God we got. To give that man that verse on the busy highway in Jacksonville when he's at the lowest point of his life. Just remember this. The God that lets you go through the trials is the God that loves you. And his grace is sufficient. And his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Amen.